What advice would you give to your younger self? Climbing the ladder is not the only way to success. I got lost in the sauce for a little bit, just trying to become whatever the next thing was. Manager, this, that, the other. I was, I was just, I don't even know what it was for, but it was like, mm-hmm. I got to get here. When I was here, I wasn't satisfied. I got to get here. Right. And success is like this rolling target that you'll always have for different areas of your life. No move is better than another move. Right. A move that's like right for you. So relax, take your time. Yeah. Climbing the ladder is not the only way to success. Get ready to buckle up because on the She's Got Drive podcast, you remember that your brilliance is your birthright. Welcome back to another episode of She's Got Drive. It's Shirley McAlpine. I am your host. Thank you so much for listening and being back. So this week, I've been reflecting on what's been going on in in Hawaii. I know that a number of you have along with me and many other people and just really been thinking about how hard it must be for the families who have lost loved ones, for the families who have lost their lives, their livelihoods, their homes, um, their memories. And I'm really just trying to just deal with what's happening right now. Whenever any of these kinds of disasters, tragic moments happen, it's really important for us to pause think about how we could be helpful I say that to say because I noticed for myself having seen and read some stuff online how you start with every intention of say sending a contribution and then then you get distracted by life the last couple of days ago I was out walking my dog Zora and Rachel Rogers, I read, you know, went into my phone and I saw an email from Rachel Rogers just calling us out to remember what's going on and um, and how we could contribute, how we could stop and pause and make sure that we are, you know, sending donations, however small that it is, or however big you can make it. Everything counts. And I just knew, noticed that I had every intention of making a donation up until that point, and then I, I got distracted. And it's not a judgment, but it is what happened. And so in that moment, I stopped what I was doing. I went in my phone and I made sure that I made a donation with a link that Rachel Rogers had provided. And I'm going to do the same. That inside of the show notes, there is a link, a couple of links where you can get donate if you haven't donated to help people who are living with the the impact of the disaster that's unfolded. And so if that's you, I'd love for you to stop what you're doing, click the link in the show notes, and then make a donation right now. However small the amount is, everything counts. And the accumulative impact is huge. So I'm sharing that to pass that on. It is not a judgment of how we are living our lives. We are just living our lives in a way. And sometimes we can read and see what's happening and then think either think there's nothing I can do that can make a difference or what I'm going to what I can contribute is too small compared to what they're dealing with or I have every intention and then you move on and you kind of it falls into the background so um, an opportunity for anyone in this moment who's listening to say I've had intended I want to make a difference and then here here's a link where you can where you can do that so please do and the other thing that makes me get present to is just the, just being so grateful for my life, for my family's life, for what we have, for appreciative, for our home, our livelihood, the gift that that is, and how quickly those things can be taken away. So to be even more appreciative of it. So I really think it helps us stop and look at our lives in another way with a new lens and a new level of appreciation. And sometimes life needs to wake us up to it. So um, I've been, you know, I'm sitting with that too. As we come to the tail end of summer, (laughs) you know, are we in the midst of summer? We're in the tail end of summer. We start to look at the, as as we're in the middle of August, if you've been a listener for a while, one of the things that I talk about around when we come to August is August as a bridge. And um, for me, August as a time where I really feel like I am preparing for the end of the year, really thinking about how I'm going to hit my goals at the end of the year, 
implementing my new planning and implementing my new ideas for the end of the year. And so I am doing that. There was a number of new things that I'm doing. I've got some with, along with the, my other client work that I'm building in um, Shirley McAlpin and Associates. And so one of the things is there's a masterclass that I'm running um, on the 25th of August that I'd love you to look at participating in. It's a virtual masterclass. Uh, there'll be information that will be coming out, so look out for that. But it, again, there's a link in the show notes um, for that. Okay, if you love the interview with Amina, if you enjoy listening to She's Got Drive podcast, I really hope that you can support the podcast through reaching out to someone in your life and then sharing the show with someone in your life to send them one of your favorite episodes, whether it's this one, whether it's last week, it could be one from the vault and just share with them an episode that you think they're going to like and invite them to listen to the show. And then once you've done that, if you can head over to iTunes and rate and review the show, I would appreciate that because that's how we grow the She's Got Drive podcast platform. Today's episode, we have Amina. Now, Amina, let me tell you about her, is the marketing program lead black, or black for black entrepreneurship at Spotify. She's been at Spotify for nearly eight years and is doing phenomenal work there. So we learn about her work at Spotify. She's a black woman in tech. She's been in tech for a long time. And as we know, it is still, there's still a minority of women who are moving in the tech, black women moving in the tech space. Um, and Shopify has been so instrumental in supporting black businesses as a platform to, to grow um, their businesses. So we hear about her work there. And we also hear about her as an entrepreneur. I really am excited about this interview that I have with Amina. So let's hear from Amina and the conversation that we have. And I'll see you on the other side. Amina, thank you so much for being willing to be a guest on She's Got Drive. Thank you so much for having me. You can share with our listeners what you do. And then the follow-up question is, how did you get to do what you're doing right now? How did you get here? I am the program lead for Black Entrepreneurship at Shopify. Uh, for those who don't know, Shopify is an online platform that enables uh, merchants to be successful selling their products online in this particular role for the for actually almost a year to the day. I've been at Shopify now for six years. I have been in the e-commerce world for, oh my gosh, I think 12 years now. Okay. Um, I started off just managing an online catalog, putting products on the website for uh, one of Canada's largest retailers, Hudson Bay, Hudson's Bay Company. I moved over from there. I became an online buyer for a smaller Canadian company, online again only. And then I uh, moved from there and was um, e-commerce manager for DSW Canada. It was then that I was like, okay, I kind of want to move to the platform side of things. Mm -hmm. um, and I had, you know, started hearing a lot about Shopify, mm -hmm. um, a lot of rumblings in the e-commerce tech space about Shopify. And I'm like, I got to get, I got to maybe get them on Shopify and see what happens there. But in a quick turn of events, I actually, um, I saw a role that I thought I'd be great for. And I applied and got the role and I've been at Shopify since. But, you know, more specifically, this role that has to do with black entrepreneurship, yeah. I had been working in my second role at Shopify when uh, we started, me and a couple of other black uh, folks at Shopify started uh, one of the first black employee resource group. Uh, we started in 2017 and it was then that I was like, I feel like all the things that I have to do in this space have to do with black people. That's my goal. That's my vision. But of course, that was side of desk work. When you're working in an ERG, you're doing yeah. your job and then you're doing ERG work on the side. So as much as I loved it, it was really hard to balance. So in 2020, probably the hardest year to be working and being a black person in mm -hmm. anything, I had made this decision to step down from the ERG and I just really needed to kind of take a step back. Mm -hmm. And through some of the, you know, through some of the things that happened in 2020, Shopify had made the commitment of really investing resources in uh, black entrepreneurship. And so an initiative came out of that, the 1 million black businesses initiative mm -hmm. that started with Operation Hope. They had this initiative going, but they needed a team to 
focus on it, run it. This is not side of desk work. I saw the role for a program lead and I was like, okay, I have the decision either to kind of continue on the road that I'm going or to jump into something that I know is going to stretch me. Right. No, I'm very passionate about that. I know is going to be very hard. <laughs> I took it and I, I just, and like best decision that I've made in my 12 years of working in e-commerce, like this is uh, really the role for me. It feels right. It feels like the right position. So uh-huh. well, black entrepreneurship, we know that black businesses are one of the fastest growing. Yep sectors product-based businesses is predominantly what Shopify I've seen it done obviously it's not the majority we definitely uh-huh. cater to product-based businesses but it can be done you know there's obviously things that you t- take into account when you are a service but there's scheduling apps that you can add on to the platform there are okay yeah there's there's different apps that you can make your site a little bit more robust to cater to the things that you have right. um, but yeah, definitely more product-based for sure right. There's a piece around the ERG and you're stepping away and like, yeah. I'm curious about that. I think that's an important conversation. So many black people in organizations are giving their work and their, their energy and their passion for free. Yes. In ERGs and affinity groups and, and most ERGs and affinity groups are being, what's the word, driven by volunteer. Oh yeah. People. Yep. Whilst the organization continues to benefit from it on a large scale. Fact, so, yeah. yeah. You know, so I'm curious about like that insight for you to, to step away having yep. been so instrumental in the, in the creation of it. We have these things called hack days and it's, and it allows you to take some time out of what you do create. on a basis to create. I mean, you know. I love those. Exactly. Like, I love those. Um, yeah, so you take some time to create something so far from what you do on a daily basis. And so a couple of us in the Toronto office got together and were like, let's do this thing. Let's create this thing for black people. That was 2017. So when 2020 hit, I was emotionally spent. I think it, it, it's, you know, you can do the volunteer thing for a year, side a desk. You can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're driven by some of the cool events that you do. Maybe you've helped recruit some people mm-hmm. that maybe wouldn't have found tech or a particular company that you work for if it were for the help of your ERG. After three years, it's like, okay, we need new blood in here because I'm just spent. I was spent from the year. I was spent from life. Uh, By the end of 2020, I'm like, I just, I don't think I have it in me to do this work anymore. Right. Uh, It's really important to take stock of, you know, how you're feeling and the things that you're doing. So you're not not just pouring yourself or running yourself ragged, pouring from an empty cup. Uh, and so I'm glad that I did that because now we have, if you see the ERG now, it's, it's people who are just, just in it to win it. They've got the yeah. energy. I see them in some of the Slack channels just doing what they do on a daily basis. And I'm like, yeah, that is exactly what you're supposed to do in the energy. You're supposed to give it to folks who have that energy to do more for it than you could have done, right. uh, you know, after you kind of hit that point. Right. My day job is I, I run my business, which is uh, I'm CEO and founder of Shelly McAlpine and Associates. So one of the areas I work in is, is DEI. Um, and one of my passions around affinity groups is that for organizations to pay people, right. pay people for the work they do in affinity groups, right. to have that be integrated into their everyday work. And it's not a side, yeah. it's not your, your work side hustle. And yeah. that they get acknowledged for that through their performance review process because yeah. they're showing up as critical leaders in the organization, thinking and acting strategically and forwarding, you know, really moving things for, forward for organizations. And all of that gets unseen work, really. And so I have a passion for when I'm working with my organizations is that's one of the areas I take on with the leaders. It's like, um, what's happening with your ERG? Yeah. And I think that uh, how do they get acknowledged or how do you create space in their work schedule so that that becomes one of their key projects rather than an addition. I, so they don't get spent. Right. Uh, and I think that um, when I started on the ERG, I know for a fact that we were new, right? So no one really knew how to manage ERG's time. Like I know I had a couple conversations with leads, my leads at the time, and they were like, oh, so your time is being spent doing X and it should be doing Y. And I'm thinking to myself, do you know how important this work is? Right. Um, nowadays, I am seeing 
a lot more buy-in from a company-wide perspective, of course, but then from leads. I mean, fine, the company can buy into it, but what if your individual lead does not recognize the work that you're exactly. doing and penalizes you for it because they feel that the, you know, the work on their end is slacking and it's not necessarily so. There's just, it's just the work is being spread out amongst different. Right. So there's a lot more buy-in I am seeing now, which is really important because this is important work and the people who work for you, they need to feel that acknowledgement. Right. And in fact, you know, that work has led to this work. I mean, to the work that you're doing today was really sourced by your work as a formulator in the ERG. Come on. Of course. To create the conversation for change. Of course. And they then were, yeah. it didn't just, you know, that's the other thing. So, yes, there was the murder of George Floyd and the reaction and response. But the reaction and response of the organization is related to the work that happened before. Of course. Right? And then the wake up, the level of yeah, wake up. Wake, exactly. Right. And I mean, I was having a lot of, before I entered this role, I was having a lot of conversations with leaders right. as an ERG member. Right. I wouldn't have been called upon this as a MENA doing such and such role. I was called upon it because I am a person of the community. I'm right. regarded as a leader in, you know, the things that happen to people in my community. Um, it's now that I am in this role yeah. that it's like, okay, this is the role that this is my day to day. It's not necessarily the ERG diversity and inclusion for the company, but we are making sure that we are oh, making so- equitable for folks outside of the community yes. our platform. Yes. Right. So that's that that's the switch. It's like we were talking internally how um black Shopify folks were feeling as they came to work every day. And right. now I'm looking externally, I'm like the people who use our platform, how do they feel? Are they yes. getting the resources that they need? Are they you know, so you're absolutely right. That fed directly into this. And it was because of my taking a step back. Like I said, I took the step back at the end of 2020. I didn't get into this role until uh, June 2021. Right. I'd like to say healing that needed to happen. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, you know what? I can step I can step into this role that is going to be fully the role where I'm going to be a black woman working this black role. Right. Right. Um, taking that step back was necessary because I don't know if ju- if that role was presented in twenty twenty end of twenty twenty I don't know if I would have jumped on it it's whether only- you had the bandwidth to even look at it I think there's so much in that for black people at work to really be paying attention yep. today we talk about self care all the time Constantly. you know like as a word we throw it around as a word but really 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 taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like seriously, like you said, take a step back, like give yourself some space and figure mm-hmm. out like just like take care of yourself. Rest. Yeah. 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 And, you know, just the reflect. That self-care piece. I think, you know, we do talk about self-care a lot and we talk about it in the sense of like going to the spa or mm-hmm. doing all self-care and it's all beautiful. I love a good moment at the spa, but it's also taking account for how you're feeling really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not it's it's something that's like a therapy moment, you know, yeah. like I had a, a lot of the self-care that I think for over the last two years um, that I've received have been sitting in these calls with my therapist. Yeah. Talking about the, yeah. why do I feel this way? Jotting down notes on why I'm feeling a different way or how I can con- arrive to a conclusion. Like it's uh-huh. just, those are the moments where I'm taking the mental stock of how I'm feeling that have allowed me to arrive at a decision to take this role and, and thrive in it. What's your personal noble purpose in this role or mission in this role? That mm-hmm. I just say that role's mine. Like, what was it that had that, that's really you stood in it? I because I think for all of us, when we see something that we want, it's because we're actually standing in the future of it. Right. Oh, that's a that's a great question. You know, I, I gave you a bit of a journey map mm-hmm. as to how I landed here. I was a people lead before before I got to Shopify, so I led people, and I don't think I did a great job at it at the time. At the time, I was like, I was, I was, I don't know, I was like in my later 20s. And yeah. I was like, I just, I, I think I was in it for the wrong reasons. I was leading people just for the sake of having the title of leading folks. Okay. Um, and I told myself when I, again, taking the mental stock, Mena, you are not doing a good job at this. You really got to take a step back and like acquire some different skills that will allow you to be a lead in the future. Yeah. I lost sight of the leading thing. And then I just kind of moved around Shopify and kind of did my thing in several roles. And when I saw this role, not only was it I am passionate about helping black people, it was leading a team to do that. And I thought, OK, okay. am I ready for that? 
therapist, therapist moment. <laughs> I talked to my therapist and I was like, okay, like, here are the reasons why I think I'm ready. Here are the reasons why I think I'm not. And she just really, you know, uh, opened my eyes to see that, like, you know, it had been seven years since I led a team before. Mm. And she's like, she's like, listen to all of the things that you have done since then. Those are leading right. things. Like in an ERG, you're leading, uh, you know, you're amongst people who are leading projects and teams and initiatives. And, you know, I brought some of the projects that I had been working on over the, over the last couple of years. One of the biggest projects that I worked on on my previous team was getting a panel of women together from um, a, di- a diverse panel of women together right. from a pool that's not so diverse. Right. I like found folks because I worked in a very, in an org on the, on the team that wasn't so diverse. Right. So I wanted to shine a light on the voices who were kind of in the background. So right. I brought a panel of like majority black women, um, but diverse. And I created an event out of it. You know, I had people in New York city come out, listen to the, ch- to listen to the challenges and the, the feats that these women have been through just getting to where they are. Some of these women were uh, CEOs of agencies. Some of these women were, you know, just marketing professionals in their right. And she had told me, she's like, look at the things that you've done without having to say that you're a lead. She's like, yeah, very much are ready for this next step. So I'd like to say that it was a combination of all of the right things leading a program that would make for more equity for black folks in Mm -hmm. the entrepreneur space leading a team that I knew was going to be a black team working on this black work. And I saw those two things and I was like, okay, I think that with the right person uh, leading this program, it can be something very special. And I'm sitting in the middle of this now and I'm looking at it and I'm like, Oh my God, this really is something special. You know, I, I, I make the time to actually sit and take stock of the fact that, I have two amazing black women who work on the body of work that I do. One is a, a senior strategic uh, marketing operations uh, manager, a racy, and then another Anike who is a pro- community program manager. And I thought to myself, I'm like, I, it's me as a black woman leading two amazing black women. Yeah. I like, this is amazing. Like I've never been on a team with one other black person. Yeah. So right. I think it's right. really, those were the things that I saw, like you said, future thinking, mm-hmm. like, wow, we could really build something amazing and do this kind of historical thing at Shopify, right? Yeah, yeah. What, so this is, a, and, and I think as many of us who will be listening to this conversation say, it is very rare, those very rare moments when you're, yeah. um, it's like you can sit and you just look sometimes and you think, I cannot believe it's taken this long for me yep. to yep. be in this instance, lead a team of, of have black staff on the team. Or for me as a facilitator, it took years before I was in a room with all black leaders That's it. facilitating a program. And um, and I had to go, I, I was in, this is way back showing my age, 2001, I, I did some work in Nigeria and I stood and I was like, oh my God, this is, I'm literally sitting with some senior leaders and for the first time they're majority black leaders in this room and it's taken me that long to get there, to get there, to to have that experience. And it's a very different experience. So different. Yeah. It's it's so emotional to be totally honest because, you know, I think about, you know, I said I have 12 years of e-commerce experience. That's not like there's other things that I did before e-commerce yes. in all of my work experience since school or even as, you know, I was in a business um, business program at my university. Even then, there was only a handful of us. Right. And after that, there's always only a handful of you. So it's just something that you almost get used to, which is really sad. Yes. And so I don't take any day that I work on the body of work that I'm doing or with the people that I'm working with for granted. So I do have to say like even my lead who is a black man, um, he runs the underrepresented portfolio for Shopify. Okay. Uh, there is the black entrepreneurship team and then there's the indigenous entrepreneurship team. So, you wow. know, so this black man, uh, myself and then two black women and then our growth marketer who works kind of a dotted line to the team, black man as well. So when I look at the five of us, we just recently took a picture together and I'm looking at it. I'm like, Oh my God. This is insane. <laughs> yeah. So Wild. I don't take that for granted. I know that when I saw the role, I was like, I knew that I'd be sitting in this moment thinking back, like, you'd regret it if you don't go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So then what's the work that, 
you know, if I am a black entrepreneur with a, with a business and I, I may have a business on Shopify, for example, but I'm not doing too good, you know, because we also know black businesses struggle. They struggle to get, so they have to get their sales, right? Because they yeah. struggle to get loans and stuff like that. They have to make this successful. Yeah. Um, what is it that you are doing for black entrepreneurs who are already on Shopify or black entrepreneurs who are starting their business and thinking, like, how do I do this? Like, what's the program? Yeah. There are so many uh, resources that we make available to our merchants. So I'm going to talk about a couple of them. Like, I just mm-hmm. want to flow through it. So I, I spoke about, you know, our One Million Black Businesses initiative. So this is really the overarching initiative that we have to just building and creating and supporting more black entrepreneurs. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, once you're kind of through the doors, uh, one of the biggest things that we've done is breaking down the barrier to access is just like access to the actual platform in itself. So allowing for a longer than normal trial. So I guess the usual trial is a certain amount of days long. I think it's two weeks or 14 days. Mm-hmm. We've extended that uh, for uh, 120 days. Um, okay. So people get a 120 day free trial. They get to, you know, build their store first before they actually, you know, start paying for the platform. So right. build the store, you know, do all the things that you need to do to get your store to where it needs to be before you launch. And then you get that moment to, you know, launch your store. Okay. So before that though, there's obviously, you know, some people don't really know how to work different things on the platform. So we do actually have a, a really solid support team that allows for folks to call in and email or chat through and just talk through some of the things that you might be going through as you're building the, uh, your website. Mm-hmm. We also have, uh, again, I, I mentioned before, we partner with Operation Hope. So when you take a, a step back, even before starting your website, some people need support in um, creating a business plan. Some people need mm-hmm. uh, support in, you know, just financial literacy, things like that. Those are the programs that Operation Hope brings to the table that have allowed folks to, okay, let's get the A, Bs, and Cs of how I can do this business and get those going. So there's, a, you know, building a business plan and things like that that get them um, that get them access. Um, we've also partnered with Afropunk, which is a huge, yeah. huge deal because we know who, um, you know, Afropunk is to the black community. Um, right. We're doing something special with them. We have an Afropunk Shopify accelerator, the black fashion accelerator that we have. Oh, wow. And- yeah. And so we've chosen nine amazing entrepreneurs to uh, go through a six month program mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, we powered with uh, alongside with them where they learn different skills and really learn how to accelerate their business on Shopify and and come through the end just shining. So in a month from now, we're going to have our um, fashion show with them where they present their styles. And, you know, it's kind of like the graduation moment and each of them will receive a grant for five thousand um, dollars. We've had you know different moments where we've been able to partner with other organizations and provide grants you know opportunities for them to be in front of a mass amount of people and getting their mm-hmm. exposure um so the program really is all encompassing so it is a year old so i'm naming a couple of things that we've done yeah. off the cuff but in a year we've done all of that I'm really proud of the work that we've done, particularly the partnership with Afropunk. I can't take all the credit for that. There was somebody at Shopify who really just kind of like got this going. Her name's Gazelle. I do like to give shout outs to people who deserve the shout outs. And then yeah. there was the Afropunk team. But that really was one that I joined. I joined uh, in on that partnership when I first started and was kind of like thrown into the mix. Mm-hmm. But looking at how that has come to fruition, it makes me so hopeful for all of the things that we can do in the future. You know, yes. like all of the people that we can help. So that one was definitely more catered to, um, you know, the one to one help. So on the one to many side, we do provide the um, access to education. We provide the, you know, extended free trials for people to learn. We're going to be providing we're, we want to provide cohorts for people to be learning at, you know, in a similar fashion so that mm-hmm. they can enter into our community and learn from one another, but as well as learn from a professional. So there's so many different ideas that we have for the future, but you know, some of the things that we did this year are are still kind of mind blowing too. Yeah, that's brilliant. Whatever we can do to to support black businesses is yeah. so critical and yeah. to to help them we wanna it's like help fulfill the vision for those black businesses to yeah. to really grow and expand because we know that ninety percent of black businesses that are solopreneurs right and we want to like get beyond yeah that because it has its limits and people get burnt out I mean there's only so so much that you can do on your own people get really burnt out and you know I had a conversation with a merchant who had received a grant a partnership that we had done and she had said you know 
before she got the grant, she was really getting ready to just pack it all up. Right. And I thought to myself, the timing of that, I mean, it's right. no sort of, you know, a miracle to be totally honest with you because we never want to see anyone give up on their dream. Right. So that really gave me the fuel to really just continue what we're doing and try to see how we can give more people access to things. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like I said, I think the program, I started on this team a year ago, but the program really got off uh, and running in August. But, you know, within 10 months, we were able to, you know, just even hear that sort of testimony. It's just, yeah, it really makes you emotional. Like you thinking about, you know, the folks that can really be impacted by some of the work that you do. It's really, it's really, really cool. Yeah. And if someone was um, wanting to find out more about the program and getting access to it, how would they do that? Yeah, they can find out more about our program. So the Black Entrepreneurship Program here and all the things that we do externally, we're called Build Black with Shopify. All the okay. have, yeah, um, through Shopify, it's through that uh, lens uh, at shopify.com slash 1MBB. Okay. Yeah, they can find out more about that there. I'm so happy that Shopify is doing it. I hope that it really continues to grow. I know a lot of black entrepreneurs who who have product-based businesses, who have their businesses on Shopify with various degrees of success, you know. So I want to make make sure that they know about this as well. What was it that got you into the tech space? You know, what was it that interested you about about that? Because, you know, when we talk about being the only, you know, tech is... Ooh, there's yeah. not many. Oh no, there's Even not now, many. There's not many. And, <laughs> and it's not, and it's not because there aren't many who want to get into tech either, right? But there's a barriers to entry are high. Yeah. And so I'm curious about how you, what, how'd you get into it? And then how did you get into it? That is a great question. So, um, I actually graduated from university thinking that I wanted to do something in the entertainment industry. Like, okay. I, I'm a, I, I am a very creative person. I like to paint. I like to dance. I like to do all these things. So I thought, oh, yeah, the business side of entertainment, that'll be fun. <laughs> and um, uh, it's hard work, no matter what. Anywhere you go, it's hard work, right? right? But I just realized as I was doing certain things in that industry, because I had landed myself in a PR role for a film company, I mm-hmm. liked doing the digital things. So I was like, it's very specific. And at the time, there was there there wasn't as many digital things. Again, I'm right. like dating myself as to when I you know started. In yeah. tech, but there weren't that many digital things. So I started realizing at the time, Web 2.0 was <laughs> was all the rage. And I was like, okay, what was this Web 2.0 thing? I'm like, let me just look to see if I can get any a position after this in the online space. That was what we were kind of calling it. So right. a role that was like, okay, online merchandiser for Hudson's Bay company. I was like, cool, let's, let's, let's apply for this. And I realized I really liked, I just liked the digital space. So I got in in a very entry level role, just doing, like I said, digitizing their, their assortment online. I started doing the beauty catalog. I started realizing that I thoroughly enjoyed this and saw that there was a way for me as an online buyer. And so I started moving through that space, you know, landed at uh, DSW. But then I realized, I'm like, I have to switch gears and really kind of focus heavily on the tech side of things. So that mm-hmm. meant moving from like the brand side of, you know, digitizing catalogs or, you know, working with online assortments to, okay, so how do we power this whole thing? Right. Well, I started getting into a lot more conversations while I was at DSW, just learning about how we powered the online platform, which agencies we use to help do our digital marketing strategy, and really enjoying those conversations a lot. And so when Shopify kind of reared, uh, you know, its head, I was like, okay, I think I might be ready to kind of jump all in. So it was a transition from like online retail to like fully tech uh and it took me about six years to get there mm-hmm. um i've had many conversations with women who are interested in making that pivot too right and i just always tell them i'm like while you're doing the things that you're doing try to take as many digital marketing courses online that you can there are plenty of free ones um there are some that you can pay for but just so that you get up to speed with like the terms and the some of the language that are that they're using and how to maybe understand the space a little bit more um and that really helped me when i was you know coming into a conversation with shopify i was able to navigate it a little bit better Um, i was able to navigate once i got to shopify to another position a little bit better because i just started understanding where i wanted to take my own career and it's definitely the 
this marketing, this digital marketing space for me. So that's kind of how I entered. I just kind of like made the pivot and it was, I mean, I'm not trying to make it like seem like it was easy. It was definitely, it took a while, but it was just a matter of understanding what I, what what I knew would translate well into tech. So taking an online merchandising experience. And then the first role that I ended up getting was merchant success manager. So it was helping other brands with their stores. So a lot of people looking for that pivot from retail, look for customer success roles, look for those roles first, because that is such an easily translatable job that will allow you to be in any tech company, allow, uh, helping other brands be successful. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And oh, and then is your future in tech? Is that where you, you can't imagine being anywhere else? Or is I mean, I never say never, but I'm just curious, yeah. like, is this like it's a great question. Have you found your home in your career and then it's just like elevating to wherever you want to be in your future? I feel like this is the first role in a long time that I felt like this is something that I need to build on. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it's the venture capital space helping black entrepreneurs, you know, that's get the kind money, of, get yeah. the money. But it's like you said it, you said it, you said get the, let, let's help them get the money. You know, yeah. I think that's kind of what's in the stars for me. Okay. Do you mean starting a fund or do you mean working inside a VC? Either or, I mean, take any of it. If anyone's listening, okay. (laughs) I mean, in the future, I think what I'm building right now is really, really dope. And so, totally. I really want to double down on this because in a role, and you're like, I haven't quite gotten the thing that I need. Oh, you've just begun. I can hear that. Exactly. So we've just begun, and I really just want to make sure that I pour myself into this in a healthy way. For those listening, you pour yourself into balance. In a healthy way, balancing. Okay. We pace ourselves around here. But at the end of the day, when I think five, ten years from now, Mm -hmm. I can definitely see myself in that venture space, either starting a fund or working for. But I like, I like the work. I like the helping black entrepreneurs. That, if that's at the core of whatever I do, let that be it. I feel like that's the purpose that I have here. Yeah. With over 30 years of experience working with thousands of individuals just like you, I have witnessed what occurs when you harness the power of a clear vision. I've helped people from all walks of life create the lives that they truly desire. And I'm excited to share my proven techniques with you and spending time with you in my masterclass. I'm leading a masterclass It's called Vision in Five, Crafting Your Ideal Life with Five Simple Steps. It's going to take place on Thursday, August the 24th, between 7 and 8.30 Central, 8 to 9.30 Eastern. What are we going to do? So I want you to join me for a really exciting online event where I'm going to guide you in crafting your ideal life with a simple process. And when you have, it's an opportunity for you to really discover how to create a vision so you can manifest your dreams into reality. I have a five-step process that I have used when I've worked with my clients over those years, over the last 30 years, as I've said before. And this, my intention is that you're going to leave with this five-step process. My intention is to empower you to take charge of your life and to have the opportunity to gain clarity, find inspiration and to unlock the future that you crave. So sign up for the masterclass, embark on a journey towards fulfilling your life. The link for the masterclass is in the show notes. So click the link in the show notes, register for the masterclass. I will see you in the masterclass on Thursday, the 24th of August. I mean, I really believe that the black entrepreneurship is the access to transforming black communities. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Still, we talk about building wealth, building wealth, but how are we doing that? And, and got to grow give, black yeah. businesses in order to give them access, that. Give them tools that mm-hmm. they need so that they can, uh, you know, put the money back into the community. I just think that that, like you said, it's the key, you know, with that at the, at the core of all the things that I do, I have this, I have on my Instagram, all the things I do, uh, everything I do is for the culture. That's literally everything mm-hmm. I do is for the culture. I just yeah. I want that to continue to be my driving force. And, uh, you know, if I've helped a black person today, I'm cool with that. If I've helped a black business today, I'm cool with that. I just want to make sure that we are, be, are serving ourselves. Right. Now, I think I read that you started your own skincare company. Is that I right? Did. Yeah, did, I did. Right? did. Tell me a bit about that because 
I'm always curious about where someone starts, like the tinkering in their kitchen. With, yeah. Like, what is it? And then what? And then, you know, you decided not to pursue that. And like, that's, what happened? Because we have this is this is some of the journey of our of our lives, right? That's the thing, right? Something and we decide this not thing. to do it. This ain't it. So I'm really happy that you asked that because I actually love telling people the story of this. Like I just before I became pregnant with my son, mm-hmm. I started this skincare company, Ajay Skincare. So I am of Nigerian descent. African black soap is huge for Nigerian folks. And so, yes, right. You know, yes. so at home we always had black soap. So I thought like, what if I made like a premium African black soap and like sold it and had really nice packaging and did a whole thing. What um, year was this, by the way? This was 2017. 2017. You know there's African black soap out there now, right? There's, there's tons. Everywhere. There's, okay. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely wasn't reinventing the wheel. Right. Um, but what I thought I was doing was creating a really solid brand around mm-hmm. uh, black soap. Every- I mean, it's never enough. So I wasn't implying that it's already out there. I'm just saying it since that time has blown up. It's been a growth yeah. in Africa. I knew, I knew exactly, I knew exactly what so you that, meant. So I was like, I just wanted to make sure I was like, wait. Yeah. Okay. No, no, totally tell right the story. Exactly. Tell the story. Yeah. I knew exactly what you meant. Yeah. So you were, you were ahead. Thank you. I was ahead of the curve. Um, But yeah, no, I see it everywhere now. But I thought what I wanted to do was create a a premium brand around Mm -hmm. soap and really like package it in a nice way. And, you know, because all the ones that I had seen. So like for those listening, I'm in Canada. I'm in just outside of Toronto. um, And uh, when I was doing this, you'd go to beauty supply stores and you'd see them. and They were just kind of like wrapped in like plastic wrap with a sticker on top. And there's nothing wrong with that because it's the product that works, right? Yeah. If you know black soap, you don't really care. You're just like, give me the black soap. But for me, I'm like, let's make this a little bit premium. So I wrapped it in nice black wax paper. I had mm-hmm. like a nice sticker on the top. And, you know, I, as, so like I said, I, one thing to note is that I started this before I got pregnant. And when I was get when I was pregnant, I was doing this and, do, and it was, I still had energy to do it. And by the time I had my son, the orders were actually now rolling in and my husband was helping me package orders. Yeah. He's running and, and uh, making the drops at the delivery. And it was just so much. And I, I had talked to some friends who actually work, who worked at Shopify and had very successful product based businesses. Mm-hmm. They're like, listen, you have to want this so badly. And I just, I didn't feel it. I was like, this is a cool project to do, but it's not, I didn't want it that badly. Right. So after a conversation with a friend of mine, he really made me see that like, cause his, his was, just, I mean, he's left Shopify now and all he does is his product business. Right. So yeah. he's clearly doing very well for himself, but he sat me down and he's like, listen, you have to really want it um, because it's a, it's a lot of sacrifice. It's a lot of work. And, and I knew that. And I mean, I could see that, but I just, I, my heart wasn't in it as much, you know? Yeah, um, totally. I didn't want to just be doing something just for doing something's sake. That's, right. You know? Right. So I, I made the decision at the end of, I want to say 2019 or no, not at the, maybe mid 2019 after coming back to work for a little bit. Uh-huh. I was like, no, I don't think this is for me anymore. So I just, I shut it down. I think it's really great. It's such a, I'm so glad you shared this because yeah. you're willing to have the conversation oh, yeah. on the question because so many times people make themselves wrong for stopping something that they start I started it and I stopped it like it's a failure and it absolutely is not it's just like a realization that you know what this isn't it and oh, maybe yeah. if I was if you're going to have a side hustle you're going to have a side hustle that you really are truly committed, committed to passionate about and it's aligned with your purpose Rather than it was a great idea. Now it still was a great idea, but it is not yours. I mean, I, I had a similar, like years ago, we, with a partner, we, I created, um, a childbirth education DVD. That's really demonstrating how old this is. It was in 2000. (laughs) We had an app before apps were all over, before you could develop an app. You know, we had to have an app proper developer, not like now you can, do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I know, I know. And we couldn't keep up because every time, every time Apple did an update, it cost us thousands, thousands to update your app. Like we can't keep up. No, but we, 
we had this business, myself and my business partner, and then we really, and it went on for years. We sold about nearly 3,000 DVDs. I mean, it was like we had five stars on Amazon, and we were, like, trying it as a side hustle to grow. And then after a while, it's just like, you know what? Neither of us want to have this be our full-time gig. It's not what we want our life to be about, child birth education. That's okay. That's okay, right? And that's okay. And I think you can actually still buy the DVD. Yeah, people are, particularly in the pandemic. I mean, it was on, it's still, because we still have a few around. And um, during the pandemic in lockdown, the sales, we on eBay, sales started to come in. It was like, what's happening? It was like, of course, people couldn't get in their job of education classes. Yeah. So they're like, I'm yeah. surprised people still have DVD players. Was my oh my God. Yeah, I definitely don't have one anymore, but I think I have like something in a game console somewhere. So if I needed to watch a DVD, <laughs> if you could. need one, you could have it. The way I see it is that life is so like, if you are afforded, so I know it's a, be- it's a beautiful privilege to live a long life, right? You right. are afforded so many opportunities to reinvent yourself and do exactly. so many things. I'm a person who like has a, a ton of passions. And so I like to pursue them all. And like, so right. I really felt as though if I do one thing and it fails, it's a, fa- or if, and I stop, it's a failure. Right. And I'm like, oh, I just tried it out. It's just not for me. Like, you know, I just, I, I at one point wanted to be a publicist and that didn't work out for me. I thought at one point I wanted to be a backup dancer. I thought, you know what? No, we're not going to do that either. I just, I feel like if you're not, you know, you've got to follow the thread sometimes and just kind yes. of do the thing. Yes. And that's kind of what brings you the happiness at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah. And then it all, I mean, one of the other things is in the work I do in my, with, when I'm coaching is really getting people to see that every experience is a relevant experience. Yes. You know, yeah. so whatever you learn about yourself and what the work and the skills that you develop, say during that period with that business, like for us with, it's really interesting with the, I look back at the things that we didn't do well, we didn't do right in terms of growing the business and getting the, the number of sales. I mean, and I look at what I know now and also the, we just didn't have these kind of, we didn't have Shopify. Let's just put it that way. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> we didn't you have any of those. We didn't, if only we had Shopify. There we go. That's a sound bite for me. Yeah. <laughs> let me, let me only, take that clip. Yeah, if only we if had only. Shopify back in the day, we would have um, nailed that. But so, but there's so much that we learn about ourselves. There's so much we learn about business and marketing and sales and that is relevant to yeah. me today in the work yeah. that I'm doing. So, yeah, yeah. But thank you for sharing that. There are women in our lives who, as we are growing up, who leave impressions on us that send us like powerful life lessons and messages that stay with us. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if there is a woman in your life, and it could be your mom, but it doesn't have to be, it could be an aunt, a grandmother, a, you know, a, an elder in some way that that has left a message or impression with you that's really stayed with you and guides you in your life. Yeah. Um, so I know you said it doesn't have to be our, my mom, but it totally is my mom. Yeah. Um, she is the definition of the entrepreneur, right? Like uh, since I was younger, uh, she is a bridal gown designer. She's an artist. Wow. She is, yeah. So she has done it all. And like, she has always said she never wants to work for anyone. She wants to work for herself, but it's less about what she said and how she's just lived her life authentically mm-hmm. and followed her passions authentically, which, you know, I said it in your last question, like I see life as a journey and following yeah. all the It's because I've had that example. Right. My mom has had a, a physical store uh, to sell her bridal gowns. Then we closed the store. Then we moved to another city. She opened up another store. Then we closed the store. Overhead costs for... Um, anything like store over it's so expensive and so you know we've had to close down two stores but do you think that's going to stop my mother absolutely not she's still pressing along and making sure that people know that she's still doing this thing i just got off a call with her about instagram and just like how she can post more on instagram i've never seen anyone so driven in my life um and so uh, it's just her walking by example and being the black entrepreneur that has made mm-hmm. all the things that I'm doing and all, you know, all the things that I'm doing, the work that I do, the, the people that I serve, like that are like her, just that much more important. So yeah, I think just like watching her navigate entrepreneurship as an adult. Yeah. Um, has been, 
has been a thing. Like that has been a whole thing in itself, right? Uh, You're younger. You, you, you know, I worked in her stores. I've, you know, I told my friends, my mom can do your prom dress. You know, I've had friends come and do some wedding gowns there, but being able to help in a, in a tangible way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I can, because it's also very hard doing all the things, like having a full adult life myself, but right. just being able to help in a tangible way with that drive that I see, it's just, it's just, it's, that stays with you, right? It just, it makes, what I do at Shopify and it makes just how I live my life following the threads just that much more important. Yeah. 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 Well, following the threads is also an, I, this interesting metaphor that you're using. Given yeah. Work, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That kind of spun up on us. I never say that in my regular life. So <laughs> maybe it's the podcast. It's bringing out, yeah, just bringing out all these things, bringing out all these things. Um, my mom was a seamstress, so I, she didn't, she didn't sell. Yeah. Um, but she worked for people and then she, we grew up with her making our clothes and then yeah. taught me how to sew. And then, yeah. And then just being, and my dad was a carpenter. And so yeah. it's been really interesting that, that, that interesting to watch them not pursue. Yeah. Right. My dad wanted to start his business and didn't pursue that. Right. And then what the cost of that for him, for, that was for him. Um, but he did a lot of side hustle carpentry work, right? A lot. I mean, he, he spent most of his evenings and weekends. So formal business, let me say. But he spent a lot of time. He still did it. in people's he kitchens. He did it. And doing all of that. So it was really just like, he passed away some years ago now. But at his funeral, it was really interesting. It was just packed. The church was packed. And one of the things that I'm going to get emotional, one of the things that was so amazing was that all of these people had him in their houses, you know, like wow. the work that he did. Cool. And because um, they were like part of the community, like yeah. they would like, you know, if you wanted your kitchen done and you wanted a piece of furniture or whatever, you'd call John, you know. His work lives on. His work lived on, you know, in the houses. So. That's powerful. That's yeah, so powerful. yeah. And just like your mum's like the bridal gown that always, Days. I don't know about you, but I've still got mine, and it's a lot of mine. Because my mom made mine, she has mine. So I don't, I don't even see mine right. it's there. But yet, yeah, this work, the work that they have done, them working with their hands, the things right. that, that lives on, like pieces right. live on, and that's why it's like nothing that you do is a failure. Like it's just because you didn't pursue something in the traditional, it's not a failure. You've done exactly. it you exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, my the woman who made my dress was my aunt. Yeah. Or a cousin, and, and so it's really interesting, and it is. It's in a beautiful box. Oh, beautiful! I often ask the I ask the question, why are we Why are we doing it? Why feel bad with dressing? Why not? I don't. Why not? Well, what are we doing? Why not? <laughs> let's preserve it. Let's let's keep the memories going. Let's like yeah. Let's, we talk. We've thrown the word self care around. You've talked yeah. about therapy as one of yeah. the things that you do. We can explore a bit more about that, but I'm curious about what are the if you saw about how you really take care of yourself and what would be this series of self-care practices yeah like daily practices what would they be for you I think everyone at Shopify who's worked with me knows I have very strict boundaries like Mm -hmm. very strict boundaries um we were at a team offsite last week in Vancouver and they know by nine if I'm not back in the hotel with tea in my hand my feet up on the table I'm I get very upset I have to have times where I'm just shut off right uh, where I can have, like, if it's a work setting, it's time to myself. If it's family time, like, when I log off at 5.30, uh-huh. I, I'm not, I'm not going to check my emails. I, my son is four. He doesn't want me. He's actually told me many times to put my phone down. So it's just, I have to have those boundaries where I'm, it's just family time. It's just me. Right. Right. Edge out time. Like, uh, you know, so I'm very strict with my time and my boundaries. And um, in the mornings, I go to the gym every single morning, you know, before I start my work day. I have I have certain things in place that allow me to do what I need to do in the daytime. Mm -hmm. And and so that I can like rest and recharge for the next day. I know that there are going to be some times where I don't follow my boundaries if there's something going on. Right. Like 95 percent of the time, those boundaries are very, very much followed. And people now respect them because they're a non-negotiable. So. Yes. I, when I've done programs on self-care, one of the things that people talk about is the boundaries and not being able to hold tight boundaries. So how do you hold them tightly? What do you do to ensure that people are really clear that that's a non-negotiable 
Yeah. And like, and why it's so important because it's countercultural, I want to say. What you're it, it, it really is. It's countercultural. It's also, you know, people are, people have grown, uh, especially in the, maybe in the, since the pandemic shifted a little bit, but before that, everyone was hustle, hustle, hustle. Do whatever you need to do to get to the next step and right. you know, fell into those, that trap a couple of times. But I think how I do it is that, you know, if you see my work calendar, it's like beginning of the day. You'll see it blocked out. Beginning of the day, lunch is blocked out. End of day, like you'll see daycare pickup, day, uh, you know, daycare drop off. You're right. So that means the beginning of my day, the end of my day. Even still, I am a very vocal person at work. I'm like, oh, no, I can't make that meeting because I am offline from five to X. Right. If you can make it earlier, I can be there. Um, when we were at our team offsite, I'm very vocal. Okay, guys, like I can go to dinner from this amount of time, but I do want to be home by a certain amount of time. Right. Um, so just being vocal, setting those times because pe- people can't really see your, uh, sorry, people can't, they won't know unless they see it, right? So yeah. they need to go into my schedule to see what my schedule is. So I think that that's where I, I, I firm up my boundaries. It's really just being ex- extremely vocal. And I know that is hard for some people. Yes. But it's just, you have to kind of lose the thought of trying to please others. Like, how will you feel the next day if you continue to do, like, if you go out or if you've stayed up past a certain time doing anything? Eh. Like, it's just a matter of being very vocal. And people start to really listen. Like, they're not going to do it if you tell them consistently, I don't like being booked after five. Stop doing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then and, then, and then what your message is to, for them to respect the boundary. Respect right. the yeah. Like so, it's it was lit- it was literally a joke of our offsite last week. Well, we know Mena's not going to come because she and yeah, you're right. I'm not coming. So, yeah, yeah. And and, and how much you joke about it? I'm still not going to be. I'm there. still not coming because you know what? I'd rather rest. <laughs> you know what it is when you have a full life outside. Yeah, of all the- yeah. It's just you know sometimes you get tired. So for me, I'm like I really have to be strict on that. It, yeah. And it sounds I don't want it to make it seem like I'm like this boring person who doesn't have fun. When I'm fun and the boundaries are off. We're good to go. But it's just to preserve myself for the work that we need to do or just best self at work. Like, we have to also remember that, like, our identities are not just work. So that's why it's also really clear to have those. For folks who work for themselves, I I can only imagine how hard it might be for you having, you know, just to delineate sometimes. uh, For me, it's gotten into an easier practice, just kind of separating myself from the company of Shopify, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I am not my company. I am, I'm still, even though I do this amazing, great work, I'm still not this work. I am a full person. Yes. Needs to experience outside of what it is I do from nine to five or, you know, sometimes nine to seven, whatever days it is. Right. But but you have to remember that and separate yourself from the work because you can get totally tied in that, that Mm -hmm. identity becomes really unhealthy. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a powerful point that some people, and if you're listening to really ask yourself the question, can I, can I, do I separate myself from, yeah, from my role people. or is it intertwined? And then one of the things about that is that when people have to move on, are forced to move on, whether that be redundancy or whether that be um, any restructuring or anything like that, they really struggle because it, they, they have, they no longer feel like they're, they're occupying a role. They are the role. That's it. Right. And so you're right. There is so much there, so much work to do. Is. That with your in a therapy moment. Yeah, that's a therapy Some moment. Right? A therapy <laughs> moment right I just there. think, like you said, when it comes a time to separate from the role, it gets so hard, and you just you take it so poor. Like it's just, it sucks either way. But it's just, yeah. that, you know, it, it's hard to separate yourself from that thing that you no longer do. Right. And there's that unhealthy boundary that you never allowed to have happen. Right. I mean, that's either way. I'm not trying to say that, you know, with boundaries, it's it, you can easily depart from a place because, like I said, I love what it is that I do. Uh, Shopify is a great company to work for, but it, I, I still have to have healthy boundaries in order to maintain who I am as a MENA, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the the boundaries. The other thing is about when you, when you were sharing, it's like being in communication with others constantly okay. about the boundary and what it is and what it means and reinforcing it is critical. Yep. So for so some people, like, well, I've told them before. Okay. Keep telling them again. Telling them in your calendar. Like, don't make yourself available. Um, I just I I have noticed that you know. If if you are the more and more you talk about it, the more it's in folks' faces, they they respect it. They're mm-hmm. forced to, you know. So right. Okay. So what advice would you give to your younger 
self. So talk to yourself back to, I know you're 12 years old. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, no, no. How about this? Because I'm so in the graduation space because my kids have just graduated from high school uh, and middle okay. school. Yeah. So um, you're graduating from high school. Mm. Okay. Graduating from high school. Give myself yeah. a yeah, if you talk your mind back to who you were then. Okay, 17-year-old Amena. Oh, she was driven. She was really driven. Okay, so I would you know, tell climbing myself. the ladder is not the only way to success. Hmm. Right? I, I got, I, I got lost in the sauce for a little bit just trying to become whatever the next thing was. Right. For me. Uh, coordinator, manager, this, that, the other. I was, I was just, I don't even know what it was for, but it was like, mm-hmm. I gotta get here. When I was here, I wasn't satisfied. I gotta get here. Right. Here, I wasn't satisfied. So the latter is not the only way to success. Success is like this rolling target that you'll always have for different areas of your life, right? Mm-hmm. I think that like, fine, you aim to achieve something, you've gotten it, sit in that excitement for a little bit, but I just never let that happen. I was always going for the thing. So just mm-hmm. relax a little bit. The ladder is not the only way up. It's not the only way to success. Um, at Shopify, we call, you know, careers can be jungle gyms where you'll move laterally, mm-hmm. where you move diagonally, you might move down a little bit. Right. And that shouldn't be, it's, it's not a, it, no move is better than another move. Right. It's a move that's like right for you. So let me sum this up. So yeah. the advice I would give myself is to relax, take your time. Yeah. Climbing the ladder is not the only way to success. Boom. Yes. There it is. Yes. <laughs> and then can I have one more? If you got time for one more question, then basically. Yeah, of course. Because yeah. I don't know if you got to. So then how would you define success to you for yourself today? Oh, my gosh. Success is not even. I think before I used to define success as just like career success. Like, oh, if I get to become a director of such and such, then uh-huh. I would Uh I don't think that that's that for me. I think success is ultimately how happy I feel doing what it is that I do. How happy is it that I feel in all aspects of my life whilst doing the things that I do? Right. If one thing is, if one thing is, if I'm like really, uh, you know, sad about the fact that I can't spend time with my family because I'm doing these amazing things at work and being driven and pulled in different directions, I don't know if that's success. Right. Balance for me in all aspects of my life, which I know is like very, very hard. You know this. Um, but the happiness that I feel in, in the, the happiness that I feel doing the work that I'm doing, being the person that I am, that's success for me. Yeah. If I can say like in 20 years that like my kid's happy, my house is happy. I've like done these cool projects and helped people. That's it for me. It's not a title anymore. It's like all around, like how happy the things that have made me, the people that mm-hmm. I serve. That's really it. It's beautiful. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a good place to end. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> I have absolutely loved our conversation. Oh, this was so fun. Honestly, what yeah. a great way to break up my day. It was really lovely. You are fantastic. Thank you so Thank much for having you. me. Thank you. Oh, that was great. That was so fun. Yeah. Wasn't that a great? I loved her, loved her, loved her. Now, I don't know, where did I, what did I love the most? What did I love the most? There was so much to love. I think that one of the things that I love the most is that finding your, the thing that you're passionate about, finding, giving yourself some space and a breather that she did in 2020, allowing herself time to reflect on what she wants, if you like. I don't know, give herself some space and then she was ready for that role when the role opportunity arose so that's one of the that's a big lesson that is a big lesson right there and then the other thing is about redefining success redefining success over time we get on the rat race and the rat race is like this ladder that we're supposed to climb but that ladder may not even be yours it actually may not be yours to climb so you've got to create your own and that's how you start to define success and then the third thing I want to name and just highlight is the what she gave through her work with the ERG is what facilitated the work that or the or that project that Spotify created that was really critical work and we can't underestimate how important that work is 
that so many black and brown staff across the country, across the world, are contributing to their organisations that is unseen work, but is really critical to the success of the organisation. So thank you for everything you're doing. I'm excited about getting to know you more. I love, 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 love that. So I hope that you've been inspired to shift gears in your own life after this interview. And um, let me know. You can contact me at shirleymcalpine.com. Um, if you go to our SMA website, you can contact me through Instagram at She's Got Drive Podcast. And um, or you can find me on LinkedIn at Shirley McAlpine or at Shirley McAlpine and Associates. And send me some messages there. She's Got Drive is produced by Cassandra Voltolina. The music is by Satoria Key. Back to me. It is a beautiful song. Thank you for anyone who is supporting Satoria by downloading the song and, and um, paying for the song. I am literally interviewing Satoria in two weeks' time. And, um, and so she's going to be posted soon. We'll hear more about her story. So I look forward to... Um, sharing that remember we are building a community of women who are going after their what they want in life so keep driving towards your dreams until next week go well and stay well